Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Hannah Floor. The Alaska House took up a wide-ranging education bill on Monday, but the proposal hit a key snag before debate even started. Three members representing areas off the road system voted against a key procedural question. That kept the bill from advancing to a full vote in the House and threw the future of the bill into limbo. One of those members, Independent Representative Bryce Edgman of Dillingham, said he was concerned about provisions added by the House Rules Committee last month. I did not know what button I was going to push, but when it came down to it, after a whole bunch of soul-searching, talking with a couple of my brethren from the Bush caucus, um, before I can vote on a bill that has a lot of provisions in it, which are really unvetted, I don't know what this charter school provision does. I don't know what the amendment does. Yet we're about to have that committee as a whole discussion, apparently. The bill would ease the approval process for charter schools, boost correspondent schools and student transportation, and bolster Internet speeds across the state. It would also increase the base student allocation, a key piece of the state's education funding formula, by $300. Representatives C.J. McCormick of Bethel and Neil Foster of Nome, both Democrats, joined Edgman in opposing the Rules Committee's version of the bill. Those three members represent key votes in the 23-member Republican-led House Majority Caucus. Rules Committee Chair Representative Craig Johnson, an Anchorage Republican, encouraged lawmakers to allow debate to go forward. Johnson argued it was at least worth talking through the merits of the bill. A lot of stuff dies with this vote today. So I ask you to... uh Search your soul. Are we better off surrendering? Are we better off at least vetting it? Getting our positions known? And the will of the body is the will of the body. The debate comes as school districts across the state brace for significant cuts. Administrators in Fairbanks recently recommended closing two schools and have identified two more as candidates for possible closure. Fairbanks Education Association President Danette Peterson told the Senate Education Committee last week that flat funding is pushing up pupil-teacher ratios. Just a couple years ago, we closed three schools, and I know how difficult that was for our community. Our PTR is going up to rates that I believe are ridiculous. Um, Last year, when I was at Hutchison teaching, um, I had a lit class of 39 in a room that was designed for 24 The $300 per student increase included in the House bill would be less than the state provided in one-time funding last year, even after a veto from Governor Mike Dunleavy cut the amount in half. Johnson, the House Rules Chair, said he was open to debate on larger increases. Petersburg's high school basketball teams struggled hard against one of Alaska's top Division IIA teams last week. Metlakatla defeated the Viking and Lady Vikings in all of their games. As KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, Petersburg's players showed up to Metlakatla in rough shape after having spent hours in transit on a small boat. The Vikings' hardships started on Wednesday when fog grounded their jet down to Ketchikan, so they had to take the scenic route down the inside passage in a 30-passenger breakaway boat. The trip took about 10 hours, and Lady Vikings coach Matt Powick says his team did not turn up to the court on Thursday particularly well-rested. But, he says, 
That's just basketball in southeast Alaska. You know, planes overhead, you get mechanical, you have delays. So I told the girls, I was like, tomorrow is not going to be much fun for us. But, you know, we always talk about using adversity to grow stronger as a team and bonding and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was a pretty grueling trip to get down there. The Lady Vikings lost Thursday's game to the Metlakatla Mischiefs 14 to 41. The Mischiefs also won Friday's game 46 to 13. Powick says the arduous boat trip down south doesn't completely excuse his team's losses. He says Matlakatla is just a really fierce team. I told a few people, it's like, that's a team that comes around every 25 years. Like, you know, they were the state runners up last year. And I mean, they start three players that are six foot or taller and they're athletic. And it's tough to play against a team like that for sure. But Powick says his players made the mischiefs fight hard for every point they scored. He says he was especially proud to see the Lady Vikings hold them to 20 points in the first half of Friday's game. Metlakatla also defeated Petersburg's boys in both of their games, but by a much tighter margin. On Thursday, the Vikings lost by just a point. The Chiefs won 46 to 45. Then on Friday, Petersburg lost 41 to 44, but scored four points in overtime. Rick Brock coaches the boys team. He says his players endured the boat trip fairly well, maybe even better than he did. Many of them have spent a lot of time on the water, fishing with their families. But they had to get on the court Thursday morning without hardly a moment's rest. From there, Brock says, it was a mad scramble. Petersburg was ahead in the third quarter. But in the fourth, they lost by a final fatal point. Had a good look at the basket, a tough look. There were, it was in traffic and stuff, and just uh, the rim was not kind to us, so we lost by one. Um, but happy for, you know, how hard we fought, especially after a long day. I think the guys showed a lot of character. Petersburg came up even shorter on Friday, but Brock says he was glad to see his players scoring more evenly that time around. Aiden Knudsen had four for us, Elijah Whitaker had four, and Logan Tao hit a couple big threes for us to get six points on the board. So I like the way that we played balance-wise, offensively better and all around on, on Friday. The Vikings are scheduled to return to their home court this week to face off against teams from Haynes and Sitka. Saturday's game is also Cancer Awareness Night a tradition Petersburg's basketball teams have held for many years. We bought some cancer awareness shirts that actually have a couple of different ribbons on them to to uh, recognize some other different cancer awareness groups uh, just for people that have been close to the basketball team. Brock encourages audience members to come to that game wearing anything that raises awareness for cancer, including Joseph Strong shirts, which were made to honor Petersburg High School student Joseph Tagabon. Tagabon played for the Vikings until he began treatment for Ewing sarcoma, a rare but often curable cancer. He went into remission in 2022. He returned to class and the court as the Vikings team manager in January. On Saturday, the Vikings will be accepting donations to Seattle Children's Hospital, which is where Tagabon received treatment. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Attorneys presented oral arguments in a long-running dispute over fishing rights on Alaska's only native reservation last week. Metlakatla Indian community sued Governor Mike Dunleavy and his administration in 2020, claiming the state's fishing permit system infringes on rights guaranteed to the tribe by Congress. Lawyers for the tribe argue that Metlakatla fishermen should not be required to purchase limited entry permits to fish in waters near Ketchikan and Prince of Wales Island. 
The tribe argues that the 1891 federal law that created Metlakatla's reservation implicitly guarantees tribal members the right to fish outside its boundaries. The state disagrees, arguing that allowing members to fish off-reservation without state permits would hamper efforts to manage fisheries sustainably. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with Metlakatla and revived the case last year, sending it back to district court. Last Thursday, attorneys for the state argued in a Juneau federal courthouse that the Ninth Circuit's decision required Metlakatla to prove that they had a history of fishing in the southern panhandle. Metlakatla's attorneys told the judge that the state was attempting to relitigate an issue settled by the appeals court, and a U.S. Department of Justice attorney sided with Metlakatla, saying the federal government believed that Congress had indeed granted the tribe off-reservation fishing rights. A decision is expected in the coming months. The road to renaming Sitka's Baranoff Elementary School has been rough in places, but a 19-member committee has spent the last few months narrowing the choices to five. They were presented at the Sitka School Board earlier this month. Robert Woolsey reports. The top five picks are all strong prospects for renaming Sitka's K-1 through grade elementary school and consistent with the successful strategy for renaming Sitka's 2nd through 5th grade building over 20 years ago from Verstovia Elementary to Kitgushihin, or Killer Whale Stream. Of the five choices, the runaway favorite, based on community surveys, is... Hoots Elementary School. About 53% of Sitkins surveyed favored Hoots Elementary. That's 303 votes out of 577 total responses. Hoots is pronounced with a raspy H sound and written in Hlingit orthography with the letter X. It means brown bear. Of the other four possibilities, only two brought in over 10% of the votes. They are... Patini Elementary School which means sockeye stream, and Shiyaki Elementary School, which means children of she, she being the original name of what is now called Baranoff Island. Arriving at just five choices was no simple matter. The renaming committee initially canvassed the community and received over 400 suggestions in its first survey. Of those suggestions, the committee excluded any that included somebody's name which had derailed the renaming process a couple of years ago. That and other exclusions left 268 possibilities, of which each committee member ranked their top 20. Those choices were then winnowed down to the five possibilities that were sent out in a second online survey, which also had audio of the pronunciations. Former school board president Blossom Teal Olson served on the committee as a member of the public, she told current board members that the project was always about more than simply choosing a name. At the beginning of this whole process, our main point as a committee coming together was healing. Healing and moving forward and making sure that our actions really um, uplifted our community and allowed for learning um, the Clinket language, as well as learning about our community and the land that we live on. The healing is really twofold. Teal Olson touched on the generational trauma of indigenous people and people of color, which the renaming process was meant to address. And she also mentioned healing from divisions that emerged three years ago, 
during the first iteration of the renaming process, when proposals to rename the school for distinguished elders generated some unanticipated acrimony. Teal Olson said this led the committee to stay with cultural conventions. We did stick to the traditional ways of naming buildings, places. Again, when this process was even brought up, we did have a hiccup before, so we readily acknowledged that and learned from that experience. And again, that became part of our foundation of moving forward, learning from our mistakes and making sure that um, we, in our actions, highlighted the traditional ways of um, the Clinket people who have been here since time immemorial. Teal Olson said that she enjoyed the public engagement built into the process, the time sitting at a table at Seamart, going to bingo nights and parent-teacher conferences. She thanked the Sitka Tribe of Alaska's social services and education departments for helping to get the word out and for making sure tribal elders could participate in the surveys. Board President Tristan Gavon said thanks should also go to Teal Olson for writing out what turned out to be a very challenging process. Just lastly, I wanted to recognize and thank you, Blossom, for all of the work and leadership you've shown on this. This idea, you know, started years ago, um, back when you were on the school board and prior to COVID, and um, just really appreciate you keeping this going and um, all the work that you personally have put into this, and I think that is worth worthy of recognition. The board will make a final decision on the renaming of Baranoff Elementary School at its regular meeting at 6 p.m. Thursday, March 7th, in the Sheetkakwan Nakahiti Community House. Teal Olson said there is a family barbecue to celebrate the school's new name planned for May. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.